Welcome to the Cybersecurity Expert Podcast, where you learn from the best cybersecurity minds, helping MSPs become cybersecurity heroes for your small business clients. And now, here's your host, cybersecurity Sherpa, Jennifer Bleem. Well, hello and welcome to today's episode where we are talking to Eric Pinto. Eric is the Senior Director of Channel at SOC Solder, and we are going to be talking all about incident response and compliance and all kinds of great stuff. So, Eric, is your mic still working? Are you there? I'm here. How are you? Fabulous. I'm doing well. Thank you so much. Thanks for making time for us. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. Excellent. All right, so let's let's dive right in. As always, you and I have been chatting in the green room, preparing for this, and lots of really good stuff. And um, I don't even, I don't even know that I want to say changes in the industry because these these types of things have been around for a while, specific to incident response, but they're they're finally starting to get a little more airtime. So I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about incident response and specifically. Uh, when we should start to think about that. Because obviously um, the goal is to put a really solid solution stack in place and to train our people internally and our clients and have really solid policies. But I think you would agree that at some point the inevitable is going to happen and, and something is going to get through even the best solution stack. Is that is that fair? Yeah, yeah. I mean, regardless of of company size or systems in place, uh, things things can and will happen on a network, and you know it's it, it's a good idea to, to to really put some thought into what happens when. So it sounds like the way that you phrased that 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 the thinking about incident response should happen before the incident happens. Fair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, the idea of of securing, uh, figuring out what your game plan is after the game has started, uh, is is pretty is pretty risky. Um, you absolutely would want to make sure that you've got uh, an incident response plan in place if uh, you've got a customer that is transacting, uh, managing, and maintaining uh, sensitive information. Uh, you want to make sure that you've got a game plan in place to secure that data not only you know uh, at rest and in motion and in motion on servers, but also if it were to be compromised, what would you do then? So is this you you keep referring to incident response plan? Is this something that the MSP creates once and it's in the MSP's files, or is this a document that they create uniquely for each client and and bill for the creation of that deliverable? Yeah, so. I, I, I typically hesitate in directing uh, directing someone towards a, a blanketed statement or template. I think that each each environment is very very different. That said, I think that that there is a general framework that a that a partner an MSP could uh, work from. They could have a standard guideline and systems in place that that that, that are standard across their customer customer base. But it makes the most sense to to really sit down look at the customer environment, look at where the sensitive data is stored, and then and, and, and what the risks are surrounding that data, and then put together a comprehensive plan that really speaks to the needs of that environment. 
okay, so okay to download a template, but use it as a, a springboard, not like some MSPs have done with a business associates where we just download it off the internet, slap our logo on it, check the box and move on. There's, there's more to it than that. Yeah. My, my fear of, of, of so of wildly uh, offering, you know, Hey, just go out and get an incident response plan as, as, as an answer is that people will do just that. They will slap their logo on one. They'll replace the company name. Uh, they'll put, they'll list some of the, document some of the infrastructure and then they'll throw it into a drawer somewhere and when it hits the fan no one knows what the game plan was no one has really talked about it you know and there certainly hasn't been a fire drill so then once we've got the template in place or maybe we're starting from scratch what are three to five items that you would love for every msp to have inside of their incident response plan yeah. So regardless of source of the plan, I think that you take that, you take it, whether you're starting from scratch and, and writing it fresh, or if you're starting from a, from a, uh, a known source or template, what you'd want to do is you want to evaluate that document against some, against some, some, some primary items. Number one being, what is the risk exposure of the, of the environment, right? Um, you know, how deep, you know, how deep or what is the depth of, of, of the, uh, of, of the data that they're storing, where does that data, where does that data reside? Uh, how are they transacting in that data? How are they moving uh, that those materials around? And you know, if it were to be compromised, what is the what is what is the worst case scenario in terms of compromise for them? And I think if you start from the worst case scenario, if all were exposed to all of the world, what would that look like, right? If you start thinking from there and then working back. I think you'll much better understand the reason, the, the core tenets of, of, of any response plan, because you'll understand, wow, if, <laughs> if it really went to heck, um, you know, we would be, we would be in a, in a pretty bad spot. Or you could say, you know, the exposure level isn't that great, right? So I think it's good to understand that first. Um, second, I think you'd want to look at uh, any specific compliance uh, requirements and regulations. You know, a lot of times when, it, when I say the word compliance, the automatic thought is HIPAA, right? Um, HIPAA, HIPAA is pretty interesting, right? Because they, they're pretty loose on the front end in terms of make, making a best or reasonable efforts to secure environments. Uh, they're very specific, very, very specific when it comes to the requirements for breach notification. Uh, the requirements to uh, back to HHS.gov uh, where, they, where they're reporting these things all day, every day. Uh, are pretty specific. The amount of information that you need to have over what happened, why it happened, what what was compromised, and what is the the total possible extent of compromise, that scope is pretty broad, right? And then and then there's even deeper compliance areas that that require things like uh, like a 72-hour response window. Uh, NAIC, which is an insurance standard, is is now out in, in eight, if not ten, states. In the U.S., going active in, in January 2020, that NAIC model uh, requires basically a 72-hour response window. What would you do if the clock started last night? <laughs> you know, it was you know midnight, you know 2 a.m. The clock starts. That's when you were first notified. What are you going to do in the next you know 60 something hours? 
right, to produce a document that says this is what happened, this is the extent of it, and we're, and we're able to affirm or not that it didn't touch any other systems or critical data, right? Are you prepared for that? Like those are the things that you have to really think about when you think about incident response. Excellent. All right. So how, how bad could this become? That's, that's kind of one. Um, compliance regulations and specifically the response window. And then you, you talked about having to um, attest to how, how much data could have been exposed. What I guess is part of the incident response having, knowing what tools you would use to create that report? Yeah, I mean, I mean, where, where would you start? And again, that's why, that's why I really like to start from this idea of if everything were, were exposed, what is the gravity of that, right? Um, is this a, a medical practice that has, you know, you know 1,000 uh, patient records or 10,000 records or 100,000 records or even 10 records? <laughs> well, you know, what is the impact to that business? What is the impact, what is the impact to that business going forward? Um, you know, and, and, and do you have, do you have a, do you have a playbook? And, and part of that playbook is going to be knowing the tools that you have in place, right? So um, it's great to say we've got an incident response plan. So let's say we're now in, we're enacting that plan. That plan is really just a document. That document should also be a document of process. Hmm. So do you have a process in place to, to uncover, um, again, what's happened, the scope of what's happened, uh, the gravity of what's happened, and do you have systems in place, tools in place to really know and really be monitoring that network to know whether or not you can definitively say it didn't impact, you know, our server that stores the sensitive stuff, right? Because that, 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 that's a big difference. If, if we take just a pause for a second, you know, if, if you've got 10 computers on your network, and you've got a server on your network, and the server is storing all that, all that patient that patient data or the secure sensitive data for, for the government or whatever the, the secure data is, if that server is storing it and you're able to say, Jennifer's computer was impacted last night, uh, we were able to, due to our monitoring of, the, of that system and the network, we were able to say that uh, only her computer was impacted, her computer at that point and at no point has had sensitive data. You can then silo your response to say, Jennifer's computer was impacted, yes, uh, no, uh, no critical data was, was, was exposed at that time. It's a very simple incident. But if you don't have those systems in place and you can't target even when it started, and now you're saying it was impacted, we don't know necessarily when it was impacted, but the result of which was a ransom that showed up on your screen that, you know, overnight, but you can't pinpoint anything else, then you have to say, well, if Jennifer's computer in theory, could have touched that server over the past week, and you can't say that in theory it did or did not happen, you then have to say that it may have compromised all 10,000 records on that, on that server device, right? So that's where it gets tricky for the partner, because the partner, if they've got that data, and they got that process in place, and they've got a deeper understanding, um, they're, they're gonna be able to really target and come back and say, well, this is, what, this is what's happened, this is limited scope, no big deal. That's a, that's a much stronger position for that partner versus we don't know what happened, we don't know when it happened, and we don't know what it touched. So for some people who are listening right now, they've got this fairly well under control, or maybe you've given them some ideas to, to just kick it up a notch and they just simply need to improve on some things they already have in place. But conversely, uh, you may have just 
dumped a large project on an IT service provider that is in complete overwhelm because this is very much outside their wheelhouse. So do you, with, with the complexity involved and the, the financial implications involved, do you ever recommend outsourcing the incident response piece of managed services and managed security? Yeah, whether, whether, whether it's something that you would do um, automatically or if you do it after you, just, after you start digging into it, I think the first step is, again, to really analyze what the scope and, and severity or gravity is. Um, you, may, you may want to uh, uh, already coordinate with a third party because you know that if anything happens, I need to have you know, someone else to, to assist me. But I, I think that if you look at any of the breaches that, uh, that have happened, what, what, what the first step is the, the IT team will come in, they will start looking at uh, and assessing the situation. And then, and then if need be, they pick up the phone and, you should, and no, no one should ever feel bad about having to pick up the phone and say, hey, we need, we need, we need to get a, a team in, we need, we need to assist here. We, we need an assist here. Uh, there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing negative about that at all. We've seen that from the smallest to the largest breach, uh, where teams are are often brought in, um, you know, within 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 that 72-hour period to start to start really generating reports and data and, and other things. Um, I that said, I would really advise uh, partners to uh, to just take that first step to start really taking a look at what the requirements are. Um, you know, it's easy for us to kind of say, okay, this requirement seems sort of vague, it's sort of loose, but really what, what are the requirements post-breach? If you look at any of the compliance areas, look at the post-breach requirements and then base everything that you do and everything that you deploy based on what you are mandated to have and, and provide for your customer if it, if it were to hit the fan. I think mean, that's, that's the best place to start. Yeah, that's kind of the, the bare minimum pay, pay to play at this point. Yeah, because it's convoluted. Otherwise, you start reading through these compliance things, and it's like, well, I, I interpret this monitoring to mean this. Well, okay, if if that monitoring means this light, you know, light level service, then how would you satisfy the notification requirement on the back end, right? So, um, you know, uh, I think connecting those dots makes a lot of sense. And it does really matter whether your clients are uh, medical, so they've got HIPAA to worry about, or maybe it's FINRA, or maybe it's NIST or DFARS. Those are all just a little different, I would imagine. And so knowing yeah. your existing client base as well as your prospect base probably plays a factor as well into how deep you as the MSP would want to get involved on the incident response side. Is that is that? Yeah, yeah that is fair. I would say that we, you know, in our business, we deal a lot with compliance. Um, I, I think we see a lot more of uh, of NIST 800, uh, you know, in, in, in the, the the DOD business. Really, because uh, over the past two years, there's been a, a drive a drive down into SMB uh, to be fully compliant, right? And this idea of even uh, self attestation um, is, is sort of going away. So you see the uh, cybersecurity uh, maturity model. Uh, certs are coming around now this uh, in the next year and two years uh, where, where, where this idea of, hey, we can just say we do everything right and check the box and move forward is, is, is going away. We've seen that in NIST, uh, in, in the DOD business. We're also seeing that in these insurance plays. So NAIC insurance, again, that's eight to 10 states have, have enacted laws now that if, you, if you've got more than 10 employees and you're insuring 
in, in your insuring uh, in that state. Uh, you've got to do very specific things, and you have to adhere to a 72-hour response window. Um, you know, so we're seeing some some real pushes down in other areas, but this beyond HIPAA. Um, I think that you'll see similarly in HIPAA, and I think the way the way that they're going to target it isn't on the front end with the requirements, but on the back end with the responses. Because what they're finding is they've got this whole list of things that that they want you to have in place, this list of things that that you need to do to secure the environment, and people can argue about what those systems are, but uh, on the back end, what they're finding is that people aren't able to provide the evidence and documentation on the back end. So that's where they're going to that's where they're going to target it first. They're going to look at the incident response and say, okay, these things are now absolutely required, and um, you need to make sure that you've got the systems and processes in place to meet that need or demand. Now you talked about the cybersecurity maturity model, and most of what I'm seeing talks about that model as it pertains to the small business. Now I'm starting to see a little bit of a shift where it's that model is actually being applied to the MSP and MSSP community, mm -hmm. uh, which is a, a very welcome change because there, um, there is a wide variety of maturity levels inside of the IT service space. So um, I'm, I'm going to open up a potential can of worms here uh, because uh -oh. I, I know there, there is a, a belief or maybe a pipe dream um, that you can go from MSP to MSSP in you know 90 days or less you know kind of mail order degree kind of a thing what is your stance on that yeah you'd have to ask me that question um, you know I, I've got I've got I've got two two thoughts number number one um, I think that that's a pretty short amount of time for anyone to spend focused in any in any area of study to then be an expert, but we can put quotes around expert. What does expert really mean? Um, I wouldn't want my doctor to spend 90 days and then be a doctor. I wouldn't necessarily even want my mechanic to spend 90 days and become a mechanic on my car, right? <laughs> um, but uh, but that being said, I think that that's you know that that's that's one side of it. The other side is. Anything that we can do to further educate this community, whether it's in 90 days or six weeks or one week or a day seminar, please take notice. I think that there's a lot of information that can be shared in that short time frame that can at least get someone on the path, at least get someone to, to understand the difference between monitoring as a network monitor, you know, a basic network monitor, and monitoring from the from the from the uh, the lens of cybersecurity and compliance. Yes, right? the level of scrutiny that they're wanting on a network is very different, right? So, um, if we can if we can just get basic terms out of the way, and get people to understand where their limitations are, and we all we all can 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 could benefit from just sort of understanding where where's our where are our strengths or where are our weaknesses. Right. So if, if we can, if we can say, okay, this is an area where we're strong, you know, we could, we could, we could brush up it here. Maybe we can outsource or partner, you know, to get strong, stronger in other areas. That's all for the benefit of the end client. I will tell you this, whether you spend, whether you spend 90 days or nine years focused in, focused in cybersecurity, your client, your customer, right. Uh, that medical office, that dental office that you've had for 10 years, is expecting that you know more than they do, 
right, uh, in terms of what's required from a compliance standpoint. So if they've if they've been pushed pushing off on on uh, on, on on HIPAA or the or the core requirements there, if they've said no to everything else, it's now time to start having a deeper conversation with them, or else, you know, uh, lay it out so that so that so that you don't own that responsibility in the event of. Because again, we're we're focused on instant response. The MSP a lot of times ends up you know holding the bag, and I think that that's unfair. Right, so we need to make sure that that we're having those conversations early in with these lifelong customers. And sometimes it's a harder conversation about pricing. Sometimes it's a conversation that that isn't pricing, but maybe just doing more to better serve that customer because they already expect it. And then if you need to have the pricing conversation next year, have it next year. But I guarantee you, your customer that you've had for five years, that you've had for ten years, is expecting that you've got this handled. Excellent. I love it. Okay, good stuff. I, I feel like we could probably talk for another hour, but but I want to be sensitive to your time and, and obviously the time of people who, who are listening to this. So let me ask you this. If people want to reach out to you, learn more about what Soxotter is doing inside of the channel, what's the best way to reach you or to reach Soxotter? Yeah, so Soxotter is a weird name. <laughs> Sox is S-O-C. S-O-T-E-R, SocksSolder.com. Uh, I am E. Pinto at SocksSolder. Uh, hit me up. I'm here. Uh, one thing about us is, is though we're focused in compliance and we do the monitoring and other stuff, we're also just a great resource for, for sort of this baseline knowledge and information. You can sit down with me or any of my analysts. We can just go through it with you. Uh, many, many times it'll be stuff that's not in my wheelhouse, and I will direct you down the block to exactly who you need to talk to. Fantastic. So much good information and depth of wisdom inside of you. So I appreciate you being on and sharing that. We may need to circle back again and talk a little deeper about compliance. And there's a whole host yes. of different topics that, that there is a great need to educate the channel on. So appreciate your time and we will definitely talk soon. To learn more about how you can become a cybersecurity hero for your clients, request your hero assessment today. MSPSalesRevolution.com forward slash hero.